0: Hello, uh, this is Steve Newell, and you are listening to the Bible Noodler podcast. Today's podcast is entitled, Eve Facing Adam. This is uh, What we're going to look at today is when God created Adam, and then he decided he needed to, to create Eve as well. He said uh, in, in uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, he said, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now given that God is creating the first woman, and not just the first woman, but also the first wife for Adam, it seems a little bit underwhelming to me for uh, for him to refer to for God to refer to Eve as a helper suitable or a suitable helper, as he says later on in verse twenty. So I, I thought to myself, you know, it, it, I can't imagine it doesn't mean a whole lot more than that. So today what we want to do is we want to look at the phrase that, or the words that God selects to uh, create this phrase, suitable helper, and really track it throughout the Bible and see if we can get a, a little bit deeper understanding of what God's intent was when he created Eve. Again, not only the first woman, but also the first wife. So, a couple of things I want to, and, and as we're going through the podcast today, what I want to do is not only delve into the meanings of these words and see what we can find out, but I also want to kind of uh, walk you through how we find these clues and how we put this together so that it will help you in your Bible study to uh, dig a little bit deeper Uh, when you see things in the Bible that maybe are a little bit curious. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And then in verse 20, that's just two verses later, it says, But for Adam no suitable helper was found. Okay, so clue number one. Anytime you see God or Jesus using... The same word or words, and repeating themselves, especially this close together, that is when you really want to bear in and 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 see what's really going on. Because anytime they repeat themselves, there's there's some meaning, there's some hidden meaning there. So really, got to look at that hard. So let's uh, finish the um, the verse there, verse 21. It says, "So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping." He took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of a man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So again, God is not creating the first woman, but He's creating the first wife. So, the first thing that we want to do, that the first when I whenever I have a, I see a phrase like this, and I, I want to dig down a little bit deeper and see, okay, what is the what's really going on with this phrase here? The first, uh, the easiest, quickest thing to do is to go to uh, other translations and see how this phrase was translated in other translations, because kind of helps you get the nuance of what is really being said here so the easiest way i've found to do that is to go online to bible hub so that's biblehub.com there's a little drop down on the right hand side you select bible and you put in the the verse uh, in this case we put in genesis chapter 2 verse 18 and it'll give you some, something like twenty-five or thirty different translations. Boom, one after another, and you just read through them, and you can see if indeed uh, this is translated any differently. So here's a couple of the um, the phrases that I was able to find, and it, it, you know it'll include the NIV and the King James and the English Standard Version and the New American Standard, and so on and so forth. So a lot of different translations, but here's a couple of the Um, different ways it's translated. A helper who is just right for him. A helper comparable to him. A helper corresponding to him. A helper as his complement. A helper who is right for him. A helper as his counterpart. Okay, so just looking at this, I can tell a couple things. The word helper is translated as helper every single time. So there isn't any dispute at all that God meant to use this word "helper," and um, so that's we can we can, we'll look at that. But that's solidly "helper." But then the other phrase that's um, uh, su- that's translated "suitable" in the NIV is "comparable" or "corresponding" or "his complement" or "his counterpart." So uh, there's probably some more again some more nuance in uh, in that phrase. So. Let's look at how God defines the word helper." And again, for us, we would think, "Oh, helper, Adams we can picture Adam saying to Eve, "Oh, uh, wash my clothes or, or cook my food or something." And again, it seems, uh, it seems weird that God would limit, you know that would have that, that kind of definition for the first wife. Um, and the first woman. So uh, so what I want to do is I want to look up all the times in the Old Testament where the word helper is being used, or this word that was translated helper is being used, and see how, uh, and look at all the times and, and kind of get a composite picture of how this word, what this word means in the Old Testament that God selected. And to me, that's a much better way of looking up the word helper than, say, looking, taking an English dictionary and looking up the word helper because now we're a couple steps away from the Hebrew. We're, we've got the Hebrew, then it's translated into English, and then it's translated again in the dictionary and so on. And so we don't want that. I, I, I don't know that that's the, the best way to really define the word helper. So to find out what God really means, we're going to look at other words, uh, other times that are used it in the Bible. And um, to do this, I look up, I use what's called a concordance. And in this case, I'm using the NIV, what's called the NIV exhaustive concordance. Now a concordance is a, it's a compilation of all the words that are used in the Bible organized by their root word. So if you have a Hebrew word and it's translated, let's say it's translated temple, and um, you look at the Hebrew word and it's whatever it is, it's got the Hebrew um, letters and so on and so forth, and you go to the concordance and you find out uh, that this same word is translated, sometimes it's translated temple, and sometimes house, and sometimes tent, and sometimes tabernacle, and sometimes this. So then you gotta you got to kind of sense that, oh, okay, this word that's translated temple has a, you know, kind of more nuance than just a building, a, a temple building. And it's the same word, it's the same way that you would search out this word helper. So I looked up the word helper. And um, and again, all this is in, I have, blo- I have a blog that corresponds to this podcast and it has all this information where you can find this information in the Bible and the verses I'm referring to and so on and so forth. So if you really want to dig down deeper into this just go ahead to my website and and look up this blog. So I looked up the word and this word uh, is the Hebrew translation is ezer and it's used 22 times in the Bible and sometimes it's used as the word helper and sometimes it's used as the word help. So let's look at a couple of examples where this u- this word helper is used and get a sense of what God is really defining as a helper. So um, in Exodus in chapter 18 verse 4, Moses actually names his son Eliezer and he says... For my father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. So a helper is someone who saves you, who fights on your behalf. Uh, The next uh, time it's used is in Deuteronomy 33, verse 29. Again, Moses is talking and he says, he's talking to Israel and he says, Blessed are you, Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and helper your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you and you will tread on their heights. So interestingly, he says, who are you, Israel? Who's like you? God is your helper. So what he's saying here, not only the obvious that God fights on behalf of Israel and protects Israel, but that Israel's identity is very much defined by who their helper is, that their helper is God. And that's a very interesting clue. Um, here's another time that it's used. In Hosea chapter 13, verse 9, it says, You are destroyed, Israel, because you are against me, against your helper. So that's God talking. And he says, I'm your helper, and you're against me. So in the definition of the word that God uses as helper, it turns out that sometimes there's conflict between the helper and the person that they're helping. Very good clue. Okay, so let's look at some of the times when it's when, when that same word is translated help. So in Deuteronomy 33 verse 26, There is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides across the heavens to help you and on the clouds in his majesty. Okay, again, so it's it's fighting on behalf of Israel. In Psalm 115, he says, All you Israelites, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. So he's defending you. So he's fighting for you. He's defending you. He's your identity. But here's another one that's super interesting. In Psalm 121, it says, I lift up my eyes to the heavens, He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. So the psalmist says, man, who's my helper? And then he defines who his helper is God. And it's a very, it's not only God fights for me, he defends me, so on and so forth. But also you get this picture of this tender caregiver. I mean, he watches over you. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He stays up all night and watches over you while you sleep. And he says, he's your shade at your right hand. He's not going to let you get sunburnt. He's not going to let the the moon bother you. He'll watch over your whole life. And so, um, when you kind of take a composite of all the times that God uses this word helper and help, and you put them all together and you compile a a definition of that word that god uses for help or helper it's someone who's very passionate on your behalf it's someone who's very fierce and intimidates your enemies it's someone who fights for you it's someone who defends you but it's also someone who's very tender and watchful and acts as a caregiver and um interestingly, it's someone who defines me. My helper defines part of who I am. And also, finally, um, sometimes there's conflict between uh, myself and my helper. So now, if we were to take that definition now and um, fill out uh, or or color the word helper when God says, I'm going to make a helper suitable for Adam now let's plug in all these different meanings of the word for Eve so Eve as a helper is she's going to be someone who passionately defends her husband Eve is going to be fierce she's going to intimidate uh, Adam's enemies she's going to fight on behalf of Adam she's going to defend Adam but she's also going to be uh, very tender ...and watchful and careful helper for Adam. She's going to watch over him while he sleeps. She's going to re- make sure he doesn't get sunburned. She's going to watch his coming and going, his, what's going on with his life, where his life is headed, what direction his life is going. And her relationship with Adam is now going to be part of what defines Adam... And that makes a lot of sense, because I think about when I was single, it would be, oh, Steve here, Steve there, Steve, Steve, Steve. But then when I got married, it became Steve and Mary, and Mary and Steve, and Steve and Mary. And so a lot of what defines who I am right now, and how people see me, is, oh, Steve's married to to Mary. And they look at our relationship, and it defines who I am. And that's that's a great thing. And just like there was conflict between God and Israel, there's likely going to be conflict between Adam and Eve and between husband and wife. That's just part of the relationship of the helper. So lots of really great clues in that one. Now we're going to look at the word suitable. So suitable helper. So um, the word suitable is actually that's translated into the word suitable is actually a compound it's it's two hebrew words that are uh translated into one word suitable or comparable or complementary or whatever and so let's look at those two words here the first one is used over 2,900 times in the Old Testament. So, very, very common word. And it's translated as like, or as, or equal to, or comparable, or of the same nature. So, um, for example, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, Satan is talking to Eve and he's trying to talk her into eating of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, yeah, you should go ahead and do it. God doesn't want you to do it because you will become like God, knowing good and evil. And in Genesis chapter 3, after they eat of the fruit, God says, they have now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. So exactly the same word. So um, pretty pretty common it, and so it's it, it's translated like so the second word is fascinating its um, its translated before and not meaning before in time wise but before meaning in front of and um, it's also translated opposite or in front of or facing so for example its used Uh, about 30 times uh, it's translated before for example in 1st Samuel 15 verse 30 it's Saul replied I have sinned but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God so the sense there is in front of please honor me in front of the elders please honor me in front of Israel Um, it's also used opposite so here's an example it says uh first kings 21 verse 10 it says but seat two scoundrels opposite him and have them bring charges that he has cursed both god and the king so you picture you know a long uh, dinner table and you have one person sitting and facing into the table and you have someone opposite them on the other side of the table facing them so it's that's the same word and it's it's translated opposite it's also used uh, to say, in front of, 1 Kings eight twenty two. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord, in front of the whole assembly of Israel, and spread out his hands towards heaven. It's also used um, to translate it facing. Joshua chapter 8, verse 33. All the Israelites, with their elders, officials, and judges, were standing on both sides of the ark of the covenant of the Lord, facing the Levitical priests who carried it. So sometimes, and this is another kind of study uh, hint or something that I do to help me when I'm studying uh, and trying to figure stuff out in my Bible, is I'll actually take out a pencil and I'll draw what I'm studying uh, in my notebook and see if it kind of conjures up any ideas as, um, or clarity as, um, as I'm reading. So if I were, for example, to um, draw a picture of God as a helper of Israel, uh, two things come into my mind. One, God is standing in front of Adam but, or Israel, and, and Adam is standing behind them. They're both facing the same way. They're facing the enemy. God is in front of them with his back to to Israel, and he's got a sword and he's fighting, okay? He's fighting, he's defending, so and so forth. Um, Or, I picture them side by side, Israel and God side by side, God fighting side by side, alongside of Israel, okay? But now, when I look at this, and I see before, opposite, in front of, facing, and I... If I were to draw a picture of Adam and Eve, it would be a much much different picture of a helper. This helper would be standing face-to-face in front of Adam. This helper would be um, before Adam, in front of Adam, facing Adam, eye-to-eye with Adam, opposed to Adam, supporting Adam, confronting Adam leaning into adam so that's how i would draw that that's how i picture that so it's a much different relationship uh both god is a helper and and eve is a helper but it's a it's a much more intimate relationship when they're standing face to face eye to eye and so uh, imagine uh, a husband and wife i mean they they're looking at each other they're facing each other um They're saying things like, I love you, or I'm disappointed in you, or I'm proud of you, or I believe in you, or you hurt me, or uh, I'm with you. Let's do this together. So, it's a very intimate um, relationship, and it's one that Adam had a face-to-face relationship with God in the garden, but he lost that um, as he was... Uh, thrown out of the, the garden after they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God's whole goal is to, um, you know, at the end, is that God will come down and live again with man, and they will be face to face. That's that's the whole goal. But right now, uh, you know, you'll see throughout the Bible, um, even, even when angels come to visit man, men, they're so fierce and powerful that, that, you know, everybody's afraid of them. I mean, you'll see, you know, an, uh, an angel will come and, the, you know, the first thing that will happen is the, the, the angel will say, don't be afraid, which means they're very afraid. So everyone is afraid to have a face-to-face relationship with God as we are right now because it's just, God's just too intense. And, and yet that's God's goal at the end is that we will have a relationship face to face. So you know, I looked up the word "face to face" and um, lots of uh, interesting passages in the Old Testament about Moses being face to face with God and and uh, and so on. But here's the one that jumped out at me. Um, is uh, it, in First Corinthians 13, and this is very ironic because for, in First Corinthians 13. It talks about, in, in verse 11, Paul's writing and he's talking about, the you know, at the end of, of time when God we're, we're going to meet God face to face. And this is what it says in verse 11. He says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I set aside childish ways. Now we see, but a dim reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So this is what he's saying. He says, right now, God knows me fully. I don't know him fully. I know some about him from the Bible, from Jesus. um, But I, I only know a teeny bit about him. But there's going to be a time when I'm face to face with God and I'm going to know God fully as much as he knows me fully. And it's going to be incredible. And um, it made me think back to when God was thinking about, gosh, what what kind of wife what would be the appropriate relationship the most helpful relationship that adam possibly could have i'm going to create a wife and this wife is going to be a helper just like i'm a helper but also this wife is going to engage and go through life with adam with her husband face to face and she's going to know Him fully and he's going to know her fully and both of them both of them are going to be aware that they are fully known by their spouse and wow what an intimate relationship a husband and wife relationship really is right because you get married and you you really do learn all the good and the bad and the everything in between about your husband but and your wife but you know what you still love them fully and what? how could you possibly learn that about your our relationship with God, your relationship with God, without having a relationship like that? Because, you know, I, I know my wife Mary, and Mary knows me, and she sees all my faults, but she also gives me so much grace. And she believes me, and she still loves me, even though she knows the worst things that there are about me. And it's the same way back and forth. And so I really believe that when God was contemplating, what am I going to make, Uh, how am I going to create this wife? What is it that I really want to accomplish with this husband-wife relationship that I'm going to set up? I think that part of what he was doing was actually creating a relationship that was going to enable us to prepare To see God face to face when we finally do. Because it is going to be overwhelming, but at least on some small level, we can already have become comfortable in a face to face relationship with someone else who knows everything, the good and the bad about me, and still gives me a lot of grace and still loves me unconditionally anyway. That's the end of our podcast. Again, we have blog notes if you want to follow along with um, these uh, concordance notes and the scriptures that I reference. And you'll find them on BibleNoodler.com And if you uh, want to get in touch with me, my phone number is on the website. You can leave a message and I'll get back to you. And also you can send me an email at BibleNoodler at gmail.com